Joey, Phoebe, Chandler, Monica, Ross, Rachel, to us that are phenomena. Here is our confession, for it's an obsession that never passed, so we made a podcast. I'm Adele. I'm Zoe. And this is Friends from A to Z. Hi everyone, welcome to Friends from A to Z. Zoe, it's the road to London is at an end. We're here. You are literally in London. <laughs> we, yeah, we are. We are in London on so many levels. Physically, we are in London, and well, we're just on the outskirts of London. And actually, we're on the outskirts of this episode because we're just about to talk about it. And strangely, I only kind of realised properly this episode isn't actually called the one with London. It's called the one with Ross's wedding. Yes, true. <laughs> but it's a bit <laughs> like the embryos, isn't it? I think everyone just refers to it as the London. It's obviously the defining thing isn't it yes yes we are in london so you are excited to talk about this no i mean without giving too much of a spoiler i'm excited i would say for two different reasons one is that we've you know we had the road to the crystal duck um we had several roads in fact of of marks along the way this is a very important landmark the road to london in the chapter of Ross and Rachel. So I'm excited because of that, because it's been something we've been talking about for ages that we're going to get to. But it's also a beloved episode, uh, or episodes, the two together, of mine. So yeah, I'm really excited. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, the, um, the second part of this, particularly, is such a good episode. It's so great. I feel like the first episode kind of is setting up. It's getting a lot of wheels in motion. And then the second episode, bam! And we get some amazing twists and turns in that one, which amazing are... Amazing twists and turns. And possibly, possibly one of the biggest TV cliffhangers in history, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Shall Perfectly. I Shall I go on? <laughs> I know, even when I watched it, I was watching it last night, I had to, uh, I had to just play the next episode because oh, you yeah. can't believe it. You cannot believe it. Now in my head, I'm a bit like, where does that episode end? Because I just watched it all as like a three-parter. And it's and super good. I still remember now, that day, watching it on TV. And I would have done anything to zip forward in time to the next season and watch what came of this quandary. They even featured the ending on various other British TV shows. Like, after it happened, I remember on This Morning, so it's a daytime show, in the UK, they re- the next day when it had aired, they re-showed this ending, and they were like, "What is going to happen in Friends?" Yeah, so clever, so big, yeah. so big. Well, so there's we're, lots we're going to talk about that we like. Not that much we don't like, probably. Um, and anything that looks strange, uh, all these years on, innovative um, at the time. So with our 2020 vision, that's the last time we can make that joke because we're now in December. Uh, do you know what? I think we are in December. We must be a year on from when we did the last episode of season we are. three, The Beach yeah. House, because it's been, taken us 2020 to do season four. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, as we end 2020, our 2020 vision, what uh, has changed, friends through a lens. Um, but first of all, we want to know what goes on in these episodes in more detail, uh, especially because I didn't even know the title of it properly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so could you please tell us, Adele, in the form of an epidemic the episode in the form of a limerick i certainly can and so i've got two epidemics because when i watched both of these together and we decided to put them together because lots of other things put them together like places that rank episodes and so on count these two as one but actually quite a lot happens across the space of the two episodes so i wanted to do it all in one epidemic i couldn't quite make it work so you've got double bubble buy one get one free you're about to get two epidemics here okay very good So the first one is the first part of the one with Ross's wedding. The London wedding seems all at a loss. Joey the tourist has Chandler get cross. And when Rachel talks it all through, she sees what we all knew. The real reason she can't be there for Ross. Oh, oh, wow. That's so good. Oh, my God. That's very... Adele, that's very clever because she sees what we all knew, the real reason she can't be there for Ross. And also what we all knew as a viewer, but also because Phoebe talks about it like, oh, we knew, yes, we all knew that it's because you've got feelings for her. 
Oh, that is so, that is really, really clever. Oh, that's clever. Oh, thank you. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so do you want the next one? Oh, all right. Yep, yep, go. Yep. So uh, this is then the one for the final episode of... I'm going to use my four. first ever sporting analogy that I've just made up. Baseball, no doubt. The, the, these episodes are like the pitcher... Th- Episode one is throwing the ball, and the second one is the guy hitting the ball. Oh, yes, nice. And so that epidemic was the throw. And I did feel a little pressure trying to write this one, so we'll see whether this one lives up to um, expectations. So here we go. Mon and Chandler get a shock when they wake. Rachel avoids making a massive mistake. And though the groom seems devout... We're left wondering about which the Ross's heart wants to take. Oh, wow. So good. And it's like, I love how it starts. Mon and Chandler get a shock when they wake. Because they do wake up like, what? What and did they we do? Oh, my goodness. And Rachel does avoid, with a little uh, advice from Hugh Laurie, making a massive mistake. Oh, God. Which the Ross's heart wants to take? Who is it? Who is it? Take thee, Rachel. Who knows? Famous line. Oh, God. Amazing. Amazing epidemics. Really good. Got a good episode. Okay. Should we talk about it in more detail then? I can't wait. Let's do it. It's episode 24. The one with Ross's wedding. Okay. Let's see what IMDb and Netflix has to say about these episodes. Okay. Episode 23. The one with Ross's wedding part one. IMDb says this. Evie tries to help Rachel deal with her feelings for Ross as the rest of the gang head to London for Ross and Emily's wedding. While someone else unexpectedly shows up to the wedding. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Right? <laughs> Great, good. Now I'm confused. I'm glad you're also confused because I suddenly thought, God, I missed a major part of this episode. <laughs> I mean, they must be talking about Rachel showing up to the wedding, but. They are, but, and I guess they're trying to, to be fair, we moan when they're too spoilery. So I suppose they're trying to be more, you know, intriguing. But right. the way it's written is, it sounds like another person, oh, doesn't it? Someone else, yeah. <laughs> like they've just been talking about Rachel. Bizarre. Netflix, in London for Ross's wedding. In London. In London for Ross's wedding, Chandler and Joey argue while sightseeing. After talking with Phoebe, Rachel realises that she still loves Ross. I like the second sentence. The first one seems like it's disproportionately focusing on one thing. In London for Ross's wedding. This minor little thing happens. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, and that's where we should put the focus of the episode. Very good. Okay, do you want to hear about episode 24? Yes, please. Um, or do you want to rank 23 first? Oh, okay. All right. Oh, well, no, I've got them. Um, I've done them the same. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Oh, you've done them the same. People, oh, okay. uh, did the people, yeah, they treated it all the same. Uh, Wait, no, no. they show on TV in one go? So the, the people, the people treated them separately. IMDb rate them separately, but I just did them as one. Okay. Do they say one is better than the other? Yes. Is it the second one better than the first one? Yes. Not by loads, though. Not by loads. They're both no. in the top ten. Yeah, they're both in top oh, ten. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, in the second one, then, uh, episode 24, IMDb says, Phoebe tries to warn the gang that Rachel is coming to London to tell Ross she still loves him. Is that how? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm getting confused now. Ross and Emily's parents get into an argument over the bill for the wedding. Monica and Chandler sleep together. The wedding ends with a gaff. The wedding ends with a gaff? That sounds like the wedding ends with a fart. <laughs> <laughs> wedding ends with a gaff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gaff is completely the wrong noun. <laughs> gaff is like... um. A sort of slapstick, uh, yeah, like yeah, silly yeah. joke, isn't it? 
it, yeah, and, and it went through the gap that it sounds like sort of uh, someone falls up the aisle, you know, <laughs> which I actually did at my own wedding. I, I tripped. <laughs> I fell. I fell. And um, there is a picture of the groom wetting himself with laughter just what as I caught the moment I tripped. What and I fell and I caught myself on my grandma and I swore in her face because I was like, oh, expletive. And all that lovely moment was ruined by me falling down. Anyway, well, that's a gap. You say ruined, but I'd say that's kind of, you're a very, a person with whom people laugh a lot. You're a funny person. So actually, I think it's quite <laughs> funny guy. fitting that that happened. And B, that means people will always remember your wedding because it will be the one where the bride fell going up the aisle. So and swore in the face of an elderly lady. So... <laughs> That's a great friends episode happening there. The one where, the one with the bride falls off the aisle and swears in the face of her grandma. Okay, well, that's a gap. Right, Netflix says this. Phoebe tries to warn the friends that Rachel is coming to London. Chandler and Monica develop a connection. Ross's father argues with Emily's father. Okay. They don't mention the gaff. No. But... I'm okay with that because on Netflix you just about to watch the episode, so you don't you don't want too much spoilery. Um, Chandler and Monica develop a connection. Well, don't they just? That's one way of putting it, isn't it? They connected something together. <laughs> Do you want to hear about the scores then? Yeah. So I, I think we know that universally these are both pretty strong, popular episodes. But as you said earlier, and it sounds like in your opinion as well. Part two, not that surprisingly, scores a bit higher than part one. So on IMDb, part two is actually the second highest rated episode of the season. It scores 9.2 out of 10 on average. And part one comes in fifth at 8.7. And then funnily enough for me, sort of kind of slap bang in the middle of those, I just chucked them both together and I had this pair of episodes as in third place for me so number one was embryos number two was jellyfish and these together are number three so how do yeah. you compare to those i i had split it out a bit so this was my third favorite episode behind your same two embryos jellyfish this one and then i'd split them out and uh the second part is better for me. So the second part was three and the um, first part was fifth. Is that, that's the exact same as the people. Uh, not quite. The, the second part is second. Oh, yeah, sorry. For okay. the people. Yeah, yeah. So the people think this is better than jellyfish, but we think jellyfish is better than this. Exactly that, yeah. Um, Interesting. It, it does feature in Ranker.com's top 100 episodes of all time. Ah feels like the first time in a long time we've agreed with ranker.com but it's not very high up it's 59th of the top 100 yeah i know you're though if you could see zoe's face she's very skeptical of that ranking so uh yeah but at least it's in there that's good that's good that is good so um yeah what's your kind of overall how do you kind of sum this one up from your overall well look we've got a formula for success with episodes haven't we episodes we love they are that everybody is coming together everybody's in one place with a common goal usually some kind of uh yeah event so my goodness one of these friends getting married what an event is this the first marriage we're seeing of any of our main friends yes Yes. So, um, cause we've been to Barry's wedding, we've been to the lesbian wedding, but this is actually Ross's wedding. And then it just lives in iconicness because you're taking it out of America and putting it into London, which probably makes me feel a little bit more warm towards it as well. And you? <laughs> I agree. I love, I, I had exactly the same thing that it's ticking all of those boxes of what we've learned through doing this podcast. We know there are certain themes that tend to come out from the ones that we really enjoy on top of that I think the London angle is a really powerful one and I remember at the time the buzz of these actors being in London and making this and they were interviewed on British TV and for us as Brits this felt so familiar to us but so far away because it was so American it was very exciting that they'd come to London to film an episode that was great what is also I would say I'd add two more things on top of that one is the number of celebrity cameos so Uh, you get the odd one but we're littered with them here and we'll talk about those I'm sure in a bit more detail 
And this is a real landmark moment for twists, turns, surprises, neither of which I'm sure either any of us saw coming when we watched it for the first time. So you think you know what you're watching here, which is the Ross and Rachel. You know, you think you kind of know maybe uh, not exactly how it's going to turn out, but you know, you think that is the thing that is dominating this episode. And then the Monica and Chandler thing literally just floors you, doesn't it, when she pops up? Yeah. That, do they? No. Um, do you think we think of that more in with the history of knowing what happens to Monica and Chandler? Do you think we are more, it feels like an even bigger moment when you then go and watch how that is the absolute beginning of this then massive relationship? It's funny, isn't it? Because in a way, I guess the first time ever watching it, it, it's just the shock of these two very platonic. I mean, we open this season with the two of them agreeing that they will only ever be platonic friends because he's all, he'll always be the guy who peed on her. We kind of get that put in a bit of a box, right? And we have Cathy in this season, who Chandler is absolutely heartbroken about. So we think we know where we are with these two. So I think the shock initially is that. However, exactly as you say, I think the knowledge of them, what happens afterwards means, despite this not being a surprise anymore, it's still a fantastic thing to see every time you see it, because you know that this is the opening of a whole... It's like the, it's like the show comes of age in this moment, because the Ross, Rachel, mm. will they, won't they? You know, that's a pretty classic TV show thing, right? what they've done with Chandler and Monica, there's been no will they, won't they? This has come completely out of the blue. But you see the Ross and Rachel thing is kind of closing and here is a new thing that's opening with two of your favourite characters. Yeah. 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 And I actually think, I mean, we've said, haven't we, you go back to other episodes and are there little clues in other episodes of at what point did the writers know they were going to get them together and had they sort of put that in little, little hints and things here and there? I think there are some in this episode, actually. I think there are a couple where you sort of, when you watch it in the knowledge of what was going to happen, you can interpret some of those things. Yeah, happening. it's very neatly just driven there. Like when, I, when he just says, how could anybody not want you? Oh, my God. Ooh. The way he's... And he said things like that to her before, like the night with the when she's in the towel and, it, and she's like, He's like, I don't know why you don't have a boyfriend. You know, they've had these tender moments before. But he does look at her in a very curious way in that moment. And he kind of, he sort of touches, strokes her shoulder. And I even think before that, there are a couple of clues that we're in a different parallel universe here where anything can happen. So we'll we'll maybe talk about that. In fact, let's think about how we want to chunk this up because there's a lot going on. Um, we've probably, I think we've probably got like four big arcs in this episode. So you've got the Joey Chandler sightseeing thing. We've got Rachel realising she's in love with Ross and then trying to stop the wedding. You've got this whole thing that happens with Ross and Emily where stuff seems to keep going wrong with the preparation for the wedding. And mm-hmm. What does that mean for the upshot of that? And then you've obviously got Chandler and Monica getting together. And there's other bits of like negotiating between the families and Joey's a bit homesick and that, but they're probably a bit smaller. Where, what do you, how do you want to do it? Where do you want to start? We either start with the biggest thing or the smallest thing. We <laughs> start with the, <laughs> the, uh, the actual Ross's wedding or the sightseeing. Should we start with the wedding? Okay. Let's go straight, Let's okay. go straight to the wedding. So this starts as well, a bit weirdly, that Ross is really pushing Rachel to come to the wedding. So... He's there in the apartment still, and she's. He's like, "Come on, you should come." And she's like, "I've got to work." Like, what an excuse! I've got to work. I've got to work. I, you know, someone's going to be here to look after Phoebe, or blah blah. blah. He's like, "Come on, just come to London." He is acting very insensitively here. I think, considering we know he went through a thought process because there was a whole episode about whether or not he was going to invite her. So, I don't know if either it, yeah selfish and insensitive or because then it does end awkwardly he's like but this is my wedding like why are you not coming it's the kind of conversation you have with a friend be like you're just making excuses to not come but surely he should just be like okay you're making a big excuse we know the elephant in the room is the excuse so let's just leave it 
I agree. And actually, I could live without that exchange between the two of them. I don't think you need it. No. I, th- I think in a way, it, what it does is it just sets up Rachel to be a bit out of sorts, doesn't it? The way things get left in that moment. It leads to that conversation with Phoebe because she's like, oh, you know, I don't really want to eat and I just feel really bad about how I left things with Ross. But I don't think you need it. I think she could have, we would we would buy that she's feeling that way. I think he could come and say goodbye. And I think he could be like, I can't believe you're not going to be there. And she'd be like, I know, but I've got to work. And he'd be like, okay. And he could go. And she could still be like, oh God, I really don't feel good about this. I really didn't like that, that he was like, it's my wedding. Like totally. No. Insincere. Uh, sorry, ins- insensitive, which is what you're saying. But also a little bit lacking in credibility, given the invitation episode as well. Unless he's just, doing it because he's very so in denial about you know he's obviously got some denial in his head about Rachel overall because of what happens in the end unless he is so just like trying to square it in his head like you're just my friend like you should come and he just treats her like a friend because he's like you should be there because you're one of my best friends and you're not coming and I don't know so he's almost kind of saying it to make himself believe it kind of thing yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. But still, it's a bit weird. Um, so then she does talk to Phoebe and she does sort of find herself going, do I have feelings for Ross? Yeah. Do I have loving feelings for Ross? Yeah. Do I love Ross? Yeah. <laughs> I do like that a <laughs> little how, bit. How do you feel about her getting there? Because, we, you know, she was so into Joshua and all this stuff and now, they, you know, they did kind of feel like they were over. Um, but she's saying they're not over. Well, you say that. We talked a lot, didn't we, about... We started to think that Joshua was a little technique by the writers in which there were buried clues about what's really going on here because Joshua did not... We couldn't see. We couldn't see it. We're like, what? He's not that good-looking. She keeps, she keeps saying he's really funny and charming. He's, we've never seen him be funny and charming. He didn't seem to have, really, I'm sure he's a nice person, but we didn't really see him have the kind of redeeming qualities that justified Rachel being infatuated with him. And we were like, actually, what's going on here is she's kind of trying to force something else, convince herself that she feels really strongly about someone else because actually she can't deal with the fact that Ross has met Emily and what that means. And she says, doesn't she, later on in the episode, I realise now all of that stuff I was doing with Joshua was really... It was high, it was pushing down something else about how I was mm, feeling. Mm. So I, I think, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we're meant to sort of have slightly been a bit skeptical about the Joshua thing, and then that helps us believe this. But I, I am a bit surprised that she's kind of so unaware of it because <laughs> she's literally. We like, all know. <laughs> yeah, I do think that's very funny. I think, by the way, um, I think Phoebe is. We've talked about this a lot with Phoebe. She is a brilliant friend here. Oh, so good, yeah. I mean, to have somebody in your life who would not mince their words, who would not go, this is really the wrong thing to do, but, you know, I'm just going to let them do whatever they want. She does it with kindness, with sensitivity. She gives Rachel some of the probably hardest news you would have to give a friend which is i know you love this person i know i know you think you've made a massive mistake but i'm afraid it's too late you now have to live with it you cannot go and ruin this person's wedding and i know it doesn't quite work to convince rachel but i think it's such imagine putting yourself in those shoes and having to say that to someone you care about so much you know you're going to hurt their feelings she's incredibly highly principled i think here in how she tackles that great yeah which yeah. we have many of many of yeah she's uh definitely a good friend in this moment but yeah because she could just say go on yeah go go get him like um uh when they'd saying she should go to the, uh when she says oh this is miles ahead when she's saying to ross like yeah go to the airport go and like yeah. you know uh the, you know she's on board with them but this no she's like don't do it yeah yeah. Don't do it. Um, and Phoebe is... Uh, I, I like how she says for, uh, for Ross, she shows a picture, when she's showing pictures of Ross, she's like, I want you to think about all the things you don't like about him. And then it's just like how massively unhelpful to be like, by the way, I just want to say for the record, I love Ross. He's such a great guy. 
And it means she's a good friend to Ross. She's not just going to sit there and <laughs> off because she's just trying to help. True. It's a great line as well when she tries the Pavlovian. She like shows her the shows Rachel the picture and then she hits her. And she's like, how do you feel now? And Rachel's like, well, I like you less. That's a brilliant line. Oh, that's a great oh, line. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we kind of see Rachel. She has this epiphany and then we get the surprise that she's changing her mind and she is going to head off to London. I, I think we should probably skip over to London and then figure out what's coming up. In the lead- that sounded lead- like we have correspondence in London. We should just now <laughs> take this, this pause to skip over to London and uh, here uh, from London. Here are uh, wedding correspondent uh, yes, what's going yes. on there. Because oh, the next thing correspondent. for Rachel is, of course, when she turns up, when, you know, it's the, the moment before and, and it's all happening. So maybe we should, should we should transport ourselves across the Atlantic. While this is all happening in New York, the most ridiculous thing is happening between Emily and Ross um, in the lead up to this wedding. And I, I don't know what you think about this. I mean, I have never organised a wedding. I have never been through any of these experiences you have and you may feel differently but the fact that Emily is moaning so much about things that you know weddings have like an 18 month to two year lead time Mm -hmm. right and she's like had four weeks to sort this out and then she's sort of complaining that these suppliers have kind of tried to squeeze her into what they've already got booked to do in these next like few weeks and she's like oh they can't do chicken tarragon anymore and there's no tulips and I'm like well book a wedding with a normal amount of planning time then you know you can't have everything I don't know how you maybe I'm a bit frustrated just because the character's a bit annoying but how did you respond to this being like a massive deal that all these details aren't coming together oh yes she's just being annoying yeah yeah and she's being kind of stereotypical bridezilla but yeah as you say she doesn't have four weeks to plan it so it's like well you're going to have to cut some you know it's not going to be perfect is it but then the whole thing with it's being pulled down so they get to the venue it's all pulled down and she's like oh <laughs> she's like you know well i was talking to monica and monica just suggested that maybe can i just say <laughs> monica and i were talking what is oh. that line <laughs> monica and i were talking <laughs> talking Monica and I were talking, and she just said to postpone the wedding. I mean, no. What does Ross say? He says, uh, da, 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 in my, uh, I wrote it, do you think it hurt in my sister's teeny tiny little head? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, I know why they've had to do this. I get it. Um, but I just, I just don't buy it that A, the day before, and B, when people, I mean, Ross does point this out, and I don't even know why he has to say it, but when people have travelled thousands of miles, I actually don't buy that Monica would suggest moving it. That, that sort of grates with me a little bit. I can't believe she would. But how... Yeah princessy to be like i know you're all here and i know we've got a wedding pre-dinner and i know you've all spent your life savings on flight costs and things and, and you're staying yeah, in the- and taking your precious holiday to do so yes but um i'm not happy about the chicken kiev and the chicken tarragon uh, situation so we're, if you don't mind we're just going to do it in six months time when we can have what we want like it's insane uh yes although to be fair to emily i don't think it's just about the chicken tarragon situation it's because the place has been knocked down early which is fair (laughs) (laughs) so it's so so it it is the venue that she wanted but even so you get another venue. well but then this is it you know i think there's something because then you do talk to monica and monica tells ross you're being an absolute douchebag because Emily will have been dreaming about this since she was a little girl. And, um, you know, you've got to give her the wedding that she wants. If she doesn't want it there, then, you know, this is the biggest day of her life. And so, you know, just postpone it a bit if she's not going to get it exactly as she wants. What do you think about that? I think I can't help but feel my total instinct is on the practicality level of you cannot send everybody home who came for a wedding who didn't get a wedding and you cannot do this later. It needs to be done. Just sort it out. I really don't like this. Uh, all any little girl dreams of is uh, yeah. the perfect. What is it? I actually wrote down what she says. 
That's what we did. We dreamed about the perfect wedding in the perfect place with the perfect four-tiered wedding cake. But the most important part is that we have the perfect guy who understands what this means to us or something, she says. And I, I really reject this idea that, like, it's such a fundamentally flawed idea in our culture that your wedding day is the moment at which the fairy tale has all come together. And, oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, and, and, and little girls should not be pinning their entire happiness on whether or not the perfect guy allows them to have what they want on their wedding day. Like, it, I know I'm getting very angry about it, but it lets me down that moment because I think Monica at her heart is, we said this in episode one of season one, when Rachel turns up at that at Central Perk, Rachel is the epitome of, of this. She is the girl who uh, only wanted yeah. to marry the guy. And Monica probably did want that as a little girl. But what she learned is that she, she became financially independent. She was had agency over her own decisions she was living a really fulfilling life and that was the contrast to her and that's why Rachel came to her because she needs to kind of learn how to do that to hear Monica going all any girl wants is this and so you're being more stupid than I am I'm like no you two are being completely unreasonable because guess what (laughs) guess what your wedding day is not the fairy tale done and dusted it's going to get very difficult from that day in certainly isn't when they say the wrong name of the altar as well um there is actually i realize there's a line in this bit which is probably the only emily line i ever laugh at oh which is point your pants at me yes exactly that i do love that bit where he puts his pants on the wrong way around three times i do find that very very funny um and when she's like don't point your pants at me i think she actually delivers that really well i find that very funny However, um, she wouldn't say pants. She would say trousers, which then takes out some of the punch. Takes out the alliteration. The Although, punch. does depend, Zoe, because where I grew up in the north of England, trousers are pants. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't call what he's wearing pants. I grew up my entire life calling what he's wearing pants. I only don't say no. that because, yeah, it wouldn't translate in the south of England. How do I not know this? Don't know. Pants are trousers in the north. No, they're not. And underwear is keks. <laughs> oh, that I know, that yeah, I know. There you but, go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right then. Point your pants at me. Yeah, don't point your pants at me. Um, I don't want to be a pedant for another P, but right. I'm not sure if a church has been demolished, whether that would still be a legal marriage. Oh. Married in there. I didn't know. That is very pedanty of you. <laughs> um, I don't... No, but then I mean, what he does to it, it looks incredible. And apparently, it was then the the influence for David Beckham and Victoria Beckham's wedding. They wanted to recreate that vibe for their own wedding of candles and twinkly lights. And is that kind of, right? Apparently, so they had thrones. Do you remember? They put some thrones in there as well. Yeah. Um, I do think it's quite funny, like the magic of television, where they stand outside that location, oh, and, yeah. and and then. And then, oh, we're running inside this. And then it's clearly a set. Like, it's totally yeah, different. Yeah, 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 really bad. It always looks like they're in a play when they come into it. It looks so bad. Yeah, enter stage left. Oh, yeah, like through the, through the entrance. Um, that, do you know where that church is? No. It's in Wapping. <laughs> which, I, uh, know, I thought it looked a bit whopping that, that that's, area. That's Wapping High Street, apparently, the bit that they walk along. Yeah. Right, fine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely got some London, um, some some sites, haven't we? Uh, and I didn't actually know what that one was. Yeah. So but actually, I'm my London knowledge that I, I that would have been my guess. Me too. I would never have guessed whopping in a million years. Um, I'm surprised to say Walthamstow, seeing as you think that's Emily's last name, but it's not Walthamstow. <laughs> um, shall we skip over to Chandler and Joey because they're while all this is going on, they're having their sightseeing, aren't they? And then we'll come back talking to talking about the sightseeing. Yeah, so it starts off with Buckingham Palace, Tower Bridge, Big Ben, oh. and playing London Calling on their sightseeing trip. I mean, Joey is just so cute here. London, baby! And that's a pretty iconic line, I would say. London, I had that down baby. as an iconic line. Um, I also had, I'm going to have to go into the map. Oh, yeah. Iconic line. Yeah, and yeah. So I'm in my map. You are Westminster Crabby, I also thought. So funny. 
<laughs> really trying to play on words there, Westminster Crowley. And it's kind of authentic that Chandler would be like, just be cool, stop embarrassing me, and Joey being over the top excited. So I think it worked quite well. Here was my question to you. Are you Team Joey or Team Chandler when it comes oh, to... Oh, Team Joey. <laughs> yeah. You got to yeah. go with it, haven't you? I've stood there on at bloody Madison Square Garden and in Grand Central Station, just being a proper tourist, going, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we would get the hat. Oh, we should have worn those hats for this podcast. Those big tall hats, the big oh. tall Union Jack hat. We totally should have been wearing them. Are you saying you've um, got one and, of those? Uh, <laughs> no. No. Um, and he buys that hat from cameo number. Uno. Uno. Yeah, that is the first cameo, isn't it? Richard Branson, who is super awkward, I think. And, I mean, he's not an actor, is he? But he just is terrible in this. Very awkward. Tower of London in the background. Right next to our office. How weird yeah, is that? very personal. Whoever knew when we watched this episode all those years ago, we'd be talking, we'd have ever met each other and be talking. And that is right by where we work. Yeah, it's a real love letter to London, I think, this episode. It's very, it's very nice in that way. I like it. Do we, yeah. Should we have a, a little segue to talk about the celebrity cameos? Because there are quite a lot in this episode. Or do you want to do them as they arrive? Yeah, no, we can talk about them. Because then Fergie is next, Sarah Ferguson, who I think is very natural. I think she does it very well. Well, she, she, was, says, she was very used to being on TV by this point. Yeah, she's been media trained. And she'd been, she'd done something with Oprah, didn't she? She did something uh, to do with Weight Watchers or something like that. Um, right. She was a big name in the States at this point. She'd been divorced from Prince Andrew and had moved to America, hadn't she? So I think she was a good choice of cameo from that perspective. She's quintessentially, quintessentially British, but very well known by American audiences. Yeah, but she just comes across well. You know, she only speaks for about five seconds, but she, she does it quite well, I think. Unfortunately, though, for her and Richard Branson, they are fighting for cameo limelight up against some absolute genius casting. <laughs> uh, in Jennifer Saunders, June Whitfield, Tom Conti and Hugh Laurie, who are... Who's your favourite one? Who do you think is best out of those? Jennifer Saunders. I, I, it's a close call for me with Hugh Laurie and... Jennifer oh, yeah, Lister. yeah, yeah. He is very good. The but way Jennifer he puts his Saunders headphones on. on. Yeah, um, <laughs> I always want the headphones on like that. Uh, Jennifer Saunders is amazing. She's so good, and like Tom Cruise's way, she's very self-involved. I should never have married her. <laughs> yeah. I do. I looked up actually, because um, again, I'm thinking very well cast because uh, absolutely fabulous aired for the first time in 1994 in the US. Oh, right. Okay. So by this point, she is pretty established as a, a cop so she was obviously enormous in the in the uk because of french and saunders her, french and saunders a comedy partner um who'd been huge in the from the early 80s but in the us became super well known with absolutely fabulous and she's she's and what i love is she doesn't play adina but she plays a very well recognized jennifer saunders sort of caricature type thing that we've seen her do a few times haven't we but she's so sort of she's like in another world of arrogance and sort of like just yeah self-involved is probably the right phrase isn't it she's absolutely i love it when they go to the church and um judy geller is like oh doesn't it look uh, it, she says something and then jennifer saunders is just like yeah it's awful isn't it like it's terrible no! isn't it? <laughs> when she's on the phone to phoebe like uh, well if you're such a good friend why aren't you here uh, oh, yeah am i on the radio Am I on the radio? Yeah. Her facial expression. Yeah. When Phoebe says, I'm having my brother's babies, and you just see Jennifer Saunders, like, tiniest little smile. Oh, am I on the radio? Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, the girls are here. Where? Well, there's one. There's the other <laughs> there's one. There's another one. <laughs> that's, do you like that little, the little negotiation thing? Do you think that's funny? The kind of, like, pastiche of a hardball negotiation with Ross, like the mediator between the two families? It's funny, but I just don't really get it. Like, here we are at the wedding. Why are we even negotiating this? It, you shouldn't be... I don't... I just... I don't get it. Like, you're trying to fob off the house costs. Just say, 
no, that's something to do with the wedding. Why on earth are we even having this conversation? Why does it start getting negotiated about? Oh, I see what you mean. Like, it's so ridiculous that you they were trying it on and then you wouldn't be like, well, if you will pay for the lawn, but we won't pay for the lawn ornaments. Or yeah. Just wouldn't yeah. Be like, we're yeah. not paying for anything. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Mm, massive fan of that bit. It allows anyway. them to, uh, to use some very dated stereotypes. Like you cheap would be speaking German if it weren't for us. Uh, oh. you know, from, <laughs> from the Americans. <laughs> Fine. We'll accept it. It's a little bit of a French through lens. I'm not sure they'd, uh, they'd do that now. I mean, they're trying to find tension here, aren't they? So they found tension in this weird way. Can kiss your gazebo goodbye. Yeah. Um, they're trying. Good. They're trying to find tension. I think maybe they could have found something different. It just seems a bit strange that it turns into a negotiation. I mean, I guess I don't know what else. You know, you hired you've hired Jennifer Saunders and Tom Conti. What do you do to make sure you get the most of them in the episode? I suppose they've got to find some reason for them to interact. Yeah, find something, they? but yeah, yeah maybe not that. that. I don't know. So we kind of end up on the day of the wedding. We're in the beautifully lit, candle-lit, gorgeous uh, interior now that they've created. You've got bridesmaids dressed up. Oh, hang on. No, no, no. The pre-wedding dinner. Oh, the pre-wedding dinner. Yeah. Although the Ross and Emily don't have too much to do with the pre-wedding dinner, do they? No, but Monica and Chandler do. Because that's where... Yeah. Monica's very depressed because it's a bit like when the day Ben is born, where Monica's like, this is never going to happen for me. I'm never going to get married. And then the pièce de résistance, that guy thinks that Monica is Ross's. He must have been a teenager when you had him. And I do love that line where Chandler does this very tender, who wouldn't want you? And Monica's like, please, I'm a single mom with a 30-year-old son. That's a very funny line. So that yeah, we have this thing. moment. Oh, and the clue I was saying, I think there's a clue earlier where, you know, like there's a bit of friction between Joey and Chandler where obviously there's a sightseeing thing and then it kind of ripples out into a few other areas and things they're discussing. And then at the pre-wedding dinner, Joey says to Chandler, you're different in London. You're not the normal Chandler here. Like, I don't oh, understand you. I see. Yeah. And I was like, am I reading too much into this? But he's different in london and he monica sees him differently in london and i just thought oh is that kind of setting us up for and then of course you get when they get back there's the whole it's london rules or whatever we're still on london time so there's this idea that like we're in a parallel universe you can be a different version of yourself in this other place which is what maybe gives chandler i don't know the confidence or the would would New York Chandler, if Monica was drunk and feeling sad and had kissed him, would he do this? Or is it about London Chandler that he's a different person? Here? Ah, yeah. Because I, I feel when he says that, it's almost le- like loaded with, I would really want you, Monica, but I just don't have a chance. I don't stand a chance. You see me as a friend and nothing else. So I can say things to you like that. I can say things like, you um uh who wouldn't want you because i think he's just feeling like of of course i would want you like who wouldn't want you but i don't have a chance and it's kind of london that changes monica's view of him oh are you suggesting that there's been something afoot with chandler like even at the end, at the beginning of the season, that he was kind of half serious. Like, why aren't we together? You know, we get yeah. on so well. Yeah, yeah. And the flashback in the towel. You know, like he's he's telling how wonderful she's there. And even when Ben is born, he's like, look, we're not married by the time we're forty. You know, I'll marry you. Although the next morning, it's not like he's feeling like this is what he's always wanted to happen, is it? He's very, very shocked by what happens. But do you think but maybe I, it's somewhere I, I in him? I feel more like he's shocked because he is like, oh, this isn't what she would have wanted. She was drunk and stuff. Like, she she wouldn't have wanted this. So I, I'm kind of sorry because mm. she probably is going to regret this. Rather, he doesn't regret it. He's like, you're going to regret this. Oh, man. Ah! And also, what we know looking back is she wasn't looking for him was she she was looking for joey 
So there and is I, an element. And I think when you said earlier about that moment she pops out from under the covers, is it different in the knowledge of what we know later on? I think it is altered by the fact that, you know, they obviously go on to get married and that's great. But I think it's also altered by that, what I think is a brilliant episode when you see, oh, I think it is, isn't it? The one, with, yeah. the one with what happened in London or something. I think that's, and I think as a viewer, you think this is all you're going to see of this situation because they're going to go back to New York and, and that's it. The fact that they filmed that bit to put, and I don't know how that worked, but, but the fact that we get to see because it's one of my favourite lines ever, when he's like, how drunk are you? And she goes, drunk enough that I know I want to do this, not so drunk that you should feel you're taking advantage. Taking advantage. That's the perfect yeah. amount. Like, I, it's one yeah. of my favourite lines of all ten seasons. It's so good that we get that little insight into explaining how did they get from that moment at the pre-wedding dinner to, to waking up together in, in the bed. So I think it makes it even better that you that little bit of knowledge has been filled in for you by that later on. Later on. You understand that. Because when, because when they did it, they were just doing it and they thought, well, this would be a bit shocking. Well, let's play around, you know, the Ross and Rachel thing is running out of steam a bit. Let's play around with another couple, but not in a kind of serious way, just in a short-term way. And they got a two-minute round of applause and whooping when Monica pops up out of the bed. No. From the, from the English audience. And it was that two minutes worth that made like Marta Kaufman and everyone, all the directors look at each other and go, maybe there is something here because there seems to be an energy from this couple that this audience are absolutely loving that, you know, we were only going to kind of do it as a bit of a cliffhangery sort of one-off type thing. Actually, maybe there's something to explore here. That's so funny hearing that because in a way, and we've said this before, haven't we? Like, I know Ross and Rachel are the most famous couple of the Friends era. But for me, the Monica and Chandler relationship, how it starts, how it develops, I think you genuinely buy that these two people would make a brilliant coupling. Like, yeah. and, and, and then we've kind of post-rationalised, haven't we? The whole, you know, Chandler's kind of lessons on the way to Monica you know, he learned commitment through Janice. He learned to not be so jealous and so childish through Kathy. He learned all sorts of things from the 777 episode, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, without all of those experiences, he wouldn't have made the kind of partner that he becomes for Monica. And, literally, yeah. you know, that bit when they, she propo- they propose and she's like, you know, I never thought I'd fall in love with my best friend. I think you really, really buy Aww. that these two are... They're not, and she, I love as well, she says at one point, she's like, you know, I don't think about soulmates. I think we fell in love and we work at our relationship. Some days we work really hard, but we work. And I think, and that's why I'm back, disappointed about this whole fairy tale thing, because there is no perfect yeah. guy. Yeah. You find somebody that you can navigate the world with, you know, and that's how you, that's how you do it. And I think they're a realistic couple in that sense. They're a great team. They they're really a great work. team. And they're even great team. after their wedding, when it turned there to recreate all the pictures um, and she realizes what they've done. And then he's like, did you open all the presents? And they're like, call it even. And they just high five. That is Monica and Chandler all over. They are a, an equal team. They're brilliant. Yeah. So it's remarkable yeah. for me to hear you say in that moment, they were like, Oh, maybe there's something in this because looking back, it seems so obvious that they would make a great couple. Mm. yeah yeah that's true that's true yeah but at the time they were they were like they were just going to play around with it and see what happened and actually it oh, went super well it's so oh. so so and good, also they want they didn't want to do another ross and rachel where it was years of will they won't they all that stuff they're just like if we're gonna you know let's do it like it goes fast you know it kind of it just happens it certainly does <laughs> it bodes well for me that speed impresses speed, you, speed impresses you. <laughs> so Oh, it's the wedding. We're all gathering. And this is the thing we talked about twists and turns, right? I mean, goodness me, you think then you're like, okay, this has been my surprise, but we still have yet Rachel to arrive. Oh, yes. What happens with that? So we're there just before the wedding. Um, We're not really sure how this is going to work out. We think maybe it could end up being a bit scuppered by what Rachel's going to do. She gets past the security because the security is busy uh, snogging a bridesmaid in the corner. And there's a moment. She walks into that church in a very, to interrupt a very tender moment between Ross and Emily. They were going at it. 
they're pretty much uh, tongues down each other's throats. And what do you think of this really landmark moment when she speaks to Ross in the aisle there and has to make a decision in the moment, what's she going to do? What do you think? On a rational level, like, thank goodness she doesn't do it. You know, she doesn't, she, she holds back because... Like when Hugh Laurie is making some good points on the plane, like you're going to go and you're going to like ruin this guy's wedding, you know, no, you know, no good can come from this. Um, So I think it is good that she doesn't do it because you really start, it it would be quite unlikable and very selfish of Rachel. She could go in there and just mess with his head and ruin the day and ruin the wedding and be like, I love you. And it probably wouldn't happen. Or she can go there and she'd just be like, I'm here. you wanted me here as a friend. Oh, maybe that's why he was, he, you have to see him be like, I really want you there. Maybe that's why at the beginning he's been pushy about her being there. So that when she comes, oh, she can be like, that's how he explains it away. Yes. He explained how important it was. Good and point. I've done a nice thing that I've just turned up. Good point. Good point. In an awful brown tracksuit. Yes. But I'm here. I am, um, which is funny because what she travels to Paris in, is a very unusual travel outfit. Yeah, tiny little skirt, yeah. knee-high boots. Yeah. Anyway, um, when she walks in that door, and it's testament really to Jennifer Aniston's acting, I think, and of course we're projecting an awful lot onto this because of how we love their characters, but the look on her face, like my heart literally responds every time when you oh. get that shot of her and she sees the evidence that Phoebe has been trying to point out to her and Rachel's still thinking, no, no, I think maybe he's got feelings for me. He's got feelings for me. And she sees the tenderness with which they have that moment. And then the way he looks at her, he's kind of really transfixed by Emily as she walks away. And then that little interaction where she's like, I just have to tell you. And then she goes, and she just puts her hand on his oh. suit as to sh- as to show, like, I just have to tell you. And then she's like, you know, put her hands on it, like, look at you. You're getting married today. Look at you. And then she just goes, congratulations. Oh, and the, you hear the audience, don't you? Like, yeah. a bit like you, they're relieved that she hasn't done it because they know it's not the right thing rationally. Yeah. But it absolutely breaks your heart that she does Which that. is so perfect because your heart wants them to be together. So then what happens? in the ceremony is just so clever on a million different levels and that's one of them because it's giving you what you want and also because it opens that door for there are there are simple reasons and complex reasons why he accidentally says the wrong name there are simple reasons which he just saw her there it was a bit of a shock he didn't expect to see her all of these things he says in the next episode right and therefore like just your brain, your brain, he's nervous, he's at the front of a room, he's doing his vows, bit of mental yeah. gridlock, he accidentally says the wrong name. The complex reasons are that that has triggered something in him. And, and as we've been saying all along, and, it, and we said it in the moment of the invitation, is it really because you cannot just turn off all of those years of being in love with her in the six week duration of this relationship with Emily? What it actually does is it triggers something deep in him that he's not yet fully aware of um so it's the perfect mistake because you could argue it either way oh i'm not sure you could i think it's deep 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 because i'm thinking about this joey has just gone hey phoebe's on the phone phoebe and he's like oh ross is looking pretty mad so joey has just put the name phoebe into his head but he's obviously not going to say i take the phoebe it's so for me that whole thing is he is standing there at his wedding and every single fiber of him every single thought he had and every single um thing he's done bar the emily situation was leading up to a proposal for rachel and getting married to rachel and he's there and just in that moment in that dreamy moment he's like rachel is in front of me oh my god (laughs) do you know what i actually just got shivers then when you were saying that like (laughs) <laughs> i take the adele <laughs> the way you were describing that that it's absolutely because because that is what i want it to be right that is absolutely what and what when i watched it at the time that was what i wanted it to be yeah you yeah you've kind of taken me back to that moment actually where i think that was Ooh. my instinct. extra evidence yeah and he's like you know and um you you've got us moving to scarsdale you know when we have kids and you 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 know, he, she's like, I just want to know about where we're going for dinner tonight. And you've got us like moving to Scarsdale and having 
kids. That whole thing, Ross and Rachel have that argument. And Ross is like, this is like back in season two. And he's like, yeah. and she's folding the laundry. He's like, I do think about those things. You know, I think about the future. Like, he's already planned it. He's like, you are going to have to accept that. Yeah, he's like, we are going to be married. And we are going to... We've said that. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's, you know... He's, that's how he works. He's thinking about his future and having kids with Rachel. That's exhibit and B. he didn't want to break up with her. She broke up with him. He yes. didn't want to break up with her. I mean, he did when they, you know, after the one with the beach house and the jellyfish and all that oh, business, yes. he's very angry. But, you know, you can be angry in the moment. Um, exhibit C is later on when they've had Emily... Um, Emma, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, why do I keep doing that? Um, when they've had Emma and they have to pretend to be married and the guests at that party ask Ross to say, how did you propose? And he tells this story about the planetarium um, there were lilies everywhere and, da, da, da. and yes. she's like, how did you come up with all that off the top of your head? And he's like, I didn't, that's what I planned to do. He had planned yeah, it all out. And, bit, and right. it's almost like, it's almost like it, his arc finished he did get married. The, the time, the time planning he was doing, the, the plan that he had in place, he got married exactly when he wanted to. It was just the wrong person standing <gasps> in front of him at the altar. Oh my goodness me. <laughs> oh my God. Cause that's when he would have been wanting to get married to Rachel, like about two years after they got together. How much do you think he rehearsed the line, take thee, Rachel? What, the actor? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, the delivery of it is exquisite because he doesn't even realise he said it. The way it trips off the... And you know, I think the, the the writing there is beautiful. The rhythm you get you get sucked in to this rhythm. Yeah. You know, that's the thing with weddings, isn't it? You know, the the minister yeah. says something, then the person yeah. says something. You, you're ex- it builds up an expectation of what's going to happen. Emily then, goes first as well, which is not, You know, it's just building it up. Yeah. And then the fact that he, the minister says, "Take thee, Emily," and he just goes, "Take thee, Rachel." It's not in the exact rhythm, oh. cadence, everything of that. Yeah, just wrong word. It's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And oh, what? I mean, the fact that he then got and you get the <gasps> everyone reacting. Phoebe on the phone, and then shall I go on? End. I mean, is this the best cliffhanger? Of ten seasons, I mean, I Nine think I, I think I, yeah, I think I said that the beach house for me. Oh, you did say I that. I did, but well, I'm thinking back, and I'm thinking I do remember. I had no idea how I was going to get across this summer, not knowing how that turned <laughs> out, and I don't know. It's really tough, isn't it? Because. I think with the beach house one, what is interesting about that is that it felt like there was some kind of definitive decision. So he'd gone in one of the rooms and whichever room he'd chosen, he, that was his decision. That's who he was picking. So I think there was something about really needing to know that definitive, what has he chosen? Here is even harder because you don't know what, and that's why in my epidemic, I said, we're left wondering about which the does Ross's heart want to take? Because we, the audience, are... It's not like he knows, but what has he decided? It's like he doesn't know because his subconscious has done something different to what yeah. he's told us out loud he wants to do. So, True. Yeah, very clever. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, it's even yeah, harder. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't know. <gasps> Can you imagine when they read that script, when they did that table read, they must have been like, this is gold. This is absolute gold. I mean, you kick off a brand new relationship between Monica and Chandler maybe you don't know what's going on mm. a massive massive moment for them to and Rachel doesn't sub- sabotage the wedding but Ross's subconscious does maybe it does and then the fact that she does you don't see Emily go oh my god and storm out you see the minister go shall I go on yeah don't know yeah yeah. You literally <laughs> need to know the net all you all you're looking for is the next five seconds of what's gonna happen. And Although that cast and crew they would have known because they actually then obviously carried on and filmed the resolution right there and then. Yeah. But yes, for us all. I remember seeing an interview with Matthew Perry at the time, because they did like they were doing English interviews and things. And they said, Oh, how do you feel about the 
you know, this, this could be the beginning of a Monica-Chandler relationship. Would you be excited about that? And Matthew Perry said, I'd be very excited. That means I got to kiss Courtney a lot. Oh. <laughs> bit pervy, but yeah. <laughs> no, not pervy at all. If that was Matt Leblanc, you'd be all over I it. think actors today, though, wouldn't, they wouldn't say things like that because they'd be like, oh, I'm yeah. an actor, I'm method. It's not me kissing Courtney. It is Chandler kissing Monica. True. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Anyway. He thanked me for my very moving performance in Titanic, which actually is my favourite joke of the episode, I think. Is it really? It makes me laugh so hard. I think it's also because it's just, it's come off the back of um, her being told what she's just been told and how that stings and her face. Oh, but she doesn't move her face. Oh, Monica as well does a great face when... um, Jack, I forgot how powerful you could be. <laughs> and Monica's face just literally looks spooky. And when Judy goes, uh, we've been riding the tube. And Jack's like, yeah. Judy, don't tell them. And she's like, no, that means taking the subway here. Riding the tube. Oh, God. And <laughs> um, I found favourite joke really hard and I, c- I couldn't really figure out why. I think because I did laugh, but. I don't know. It's so involving this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it hard too. That's why I've chosen a slightly weird one, maybe. What did you go for? Well, I totally cheated. I went for when Monica pops out from under the covers because it's not really a joke, but I don't know. The the episode is so dominated by these heightened moments that the jokes are sort of being overshadowed a bit. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, Who did you pick as your favourite friend? That's another tough one. It is a really tough one. And I have gone for, I think in the way, and there's no right or wrong answer, but I have gone for Monica because of how she jumps out of the duvet. So I've kind of used her for the jumping out of the duvet moment, <laughs> the joke for the jumping out of the duvet moment. What about you? Uh, I went with Phoebe. Because oh, wow. Got, well, just because in the sort of literal sense of the best friend, I thought she, hmm. I thought, I think it's very good how she, so you think, how do you do this? Because Phoebe can't, Lisa Kudrow can't be in London. Yeah. yeah. But how clever that they had her then integral involve her so much yeah mm-hmm. and also i think a brilliant idea pitting up lisa kudrow against jennifer saunders i think is a great mm. pairing mm. um yeah really i mean now actually having said that i think i'm being really dim because probably they never interacted they would have recorded those bits without the other one saying the other line oh yeah yeah it would be someone on the set saying it so maybe. maybe I maybe I should say. Um, well, maybe it's because it's all phone calls. Maybe they really truly were on the other end. Maybe they did, but I'm also thinking actually, just the idea of making it's Phoebe that has the most interaction with, um, yeah, uh, Mrs. Waltham. Can't remember what her first name is, Susie or something. Um, I think that's quite clever, and and just the fact that Phoebe is like she gives Rachel this very very useful advice. Then she thinks, okay, now there's a disaster here. I've got to try and avert. So she's very in. in uh, tenacious you know she's ringing all these different people she, and then she's like okay I've done my done my bit so I went with Phoebe okay very good my second favourite joke is um, Chandler's speech oh yeah that's another clue isn't it about the Monica thing you've got Chandler and Loeb that his confidence has been kind of gone oh. because he's the one with the jokes and he's not the Chandler he was and Joey says I'm not like Chandler with the jokes here you know um, you've got Chandler at lower because he's being he usually can rely on his humour to make people laugh and he's not really himself because he's not being reacted to as himself but my second favourite joke was um, yeah I remember meeting Ross's first girlfriend we thought it was going really well until the day he overinflated her <laughs> maybe not one for the parents though eh? such a silly joke but I did find that funny as well and, and you're right because actually we do see Monica reassuring him don't we she says I was laughing you know and he's like yeah yeah out loud yeah um but it it is reminding me more and more of the day of ben's birth when the two of them console each other about, and mm-hmm. i feel like they've done this many many times where yeah, they've been, yeah. you know life isn't quite working out how they thought yeah yeah, yeah. wow so, there we go there we go so i take thee rachel what will happen next, I wonder. There's no closure in this episode. That's for How sure. How wonderful it really was. So. Yeah. So, so it is the end, of 20... the end of season four. It's the end of season four. It's the end of 2020. Uh, we've completed another season 
in this year. So we will start in the new year, probably we're thinking still in lockdown sort of situation here in the UK. So over Zoom, we will be talking about season five, episode one, where we do find out what is going to happen. Um, and it does not disappoint. No, it's so good. It's so good. What are your yeah. sort of um, what are your memories of season five? Are you, you know, we've always sort of said, oh, we're looking forward to the next one because it's our favourite season or whatever. How are you feeling about season mm. five? Well, I mean, a lot of it is the wonderful unravelling of they know we know that you know that we know they know. That's all coming up. Um, the eyelash curler, Donald Trump waiting for an elevator. Yeah, yeah. We've got so that, good that's stuff. A, there's a lot of that, isn't there? Ross goes a bit weird. He goes into sandwich mode, doesn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. Sandwich Ross is not my favourite era of Ross. No, but we've got a lot of good Monica Chan stuff coming up. Yeah, we do. So there we go. And uh, between then and now, it's only a short hop, skip and a jump over to 2021. We're only a couple of weeks away. Um, yep. And it's a short hop, skip and jump over to Twitter where you could have a little look at our friends from A to Z situation uh, or Facebook um, and do subscribe so that you don't miss when season five comes to a podcast near you. Yes, indeed. And if you do subscribe, you will, you get a little Chandler Bing and soon to be Monica Bing. uh, Oh, yes. Podcasts arrive. Yes, we're on the route to Monica Bing. So we just have to wish everybody listening a Merry Christmas, which might be irrelevant depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But if it's right now, we wish you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, all of the happy other holiday armadillo to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's our podcast. Thanks for listening to the end. Friends from A to Z, we hope that you come back again. You've got a and you share our obsession too. We'll be there for.